0: Uh, Good morning. It's uh, Wednesday morning, May 4th, and all eyes are on the Federal Reserve today um, as they meet for the third time and conclude the meeting. And uh, the markets are expecting, of course, a 50 basis point interest rate hike in the short-term interest rate environment after having had a 25 basis point hike in March. This will bring the average borrowing rate that banks borrow and lend amongst each other to about 1%, a flat 1%, up from nearly zero at the beginning of the year. As the Fed begins to raise rates, there'll be a lot of thought about what else is coming for the rest of the year. And so there'll be a lot of looking at the uh, Federal Reserve statement today and looking for anything that, 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 you know, might jump out. Uh, The first thing that might jump out is there might be a dissent. Um, Fed Governor Bullard was on record uh, at the last meeting that he would have rather seen a, a bigger hike, a faster hike, than the Federal Reserve is bringing. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's continued dissent. The markets are expecting, of course, an additional 50 basis point hike in June, a 50 basis point hike in July, and probably even a 50 basis point hike in September. So the markets are expecting four consecutive 50 basis points hikes. Secondly, since there's no dot plot, we'll have to um, digest the Fed's statement to see how hawkish they really are. The Fed is trying to regain the credibility of the inflationary fight uh, that they've kind of uh, you know lost so far, but are attempting to regain. And then finally, the markets will be dissecting uh, uh, the information regarding quantitative tightening. The Fed has already told us that they will begin to release the securities that they bought during the COVID uh, uh, meltdown, if you will, uh, to the to the public at about a rate of $95 billion per month, which is a trillion dollars of government securities they're gonna hand back to the legitimate markets after having purchased them and taking them off the market. Combining that with a basically a trillion dollar deficit means that there's gonna be about $2 trillion of extra government securities floated over the next uh, 12 months that the market's gonna to have to digest. And that, of course, is putting upward pressure on interest rates. Now, of course, as interest rates have risen, financial markets have tightened. Um, Probably the four key areas where we notice this are number one in the mortgage space, the average mortgage rate now is up to 5.5% and the average house of course has increased almost 30% in value over the last two years. The combination of that has driven the average payment for the average house up almost 65% in two years. And the affordability index is now below its long-term averages. So clearly we're seeing a slowdown in the mortgage space, which is, you know, a sense of financial um, markets uh, tightening. Obviously it's been reflected in the stock market. The S&P 500 peaked on January 3rd. It's down about 13%. Its peak to trough was 15. Smaller cap stocks are in worse worse shape. They peaked in November. They're down almost 22%, probably in line with those technology stocks that 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 everyone likes to follow, uh, particularly uh, just the QQQ index, and even international stocks are down uh, 15% or so um, from their peaks to trough. So clearly um, lower stock prices, uh, uh, less affordability in the mortgage space. We don't talk much about credit spreads, but credit spreads, or the relative cost to borrow relative to the risk-free rates, have also risen for U.S. investment-grade companies. It was about 100 basis points over Treasuries at the end of the year was the average incremental spread that that an investment-grade credit in this country had to pay to borrow money. That was an absurdly low 2.4% average for an 11-year borrowing. Today, the borrowing rate has nearly doubled. It's almost, it's, it's approaching 5% and the spread is 140 basis points off of treasuries. So corporate America, which of course benefited greatly from lower interest rates and and, uh, the ability to borrow very, very cheaply, have now watched their borrowing rates nearly double. So we've seen a a strong tightening in financial conditions and this of course has led to an increasing um, concern that we might be entering a recession. Now it is true that the stock market is a very good predictor of a recession. The problem with the stock market is it predicts two recessions for every one that actually occurs. And actually stocks peak about six months prior to a recession, so if that was the case this time, the stock market having peaked basically small caps in November, uh, uh, technology stocks in December, and the S&P 500 in January, we should be approaching a recession. But there isn't a chance that this country ever has a recession unless we begin to lose jobs. And I think we all know that the job market is very firm and it's been every bit as firm this year as it has last. Well, what about the so-called yield curve? The yield curve has been an excellent predictor of recessions in the future, but we still don't have any inversions in the yield curve, particularly the best part of the yield curve, which is the 3-month Treasury bill versus the 10-year Treasury. There's still a whopping chasm of 200 basis points with the 3-month T-bill being about 1% and the 10-year Treasury being about 3%. So we're still quite a ways away from any particular inversion. And then finally, there is this index called the Leading Economic Index, which is um, a group of uh, nine economic statistics that the Conference Board puts together, and it's still growing at a 6.4% pace year over year. This doesn't mean there's not a recession on the horizon. What it does mean is that there's not likely to be a recession on the near-term horizon. The markets are trying to digest all this news, trying to digest how high interest rates are likely to rise, how quickly inflation is going to roll over, and will the Fed be able to engineer a soft landing. That soft landing, though, is still a number of months, if not several years away, and it isn't something that's occurring in the near term. So quite obviously, there's a lot going on, as always, in the financial markets, and it's a bit confusing. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks to try and help you digest all of this and talk about any particular changes that we're recommending in your portfolios to help you adjust to these changing market conditions.